ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. All right, welcome to the Launchpad Pod. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. And Matt, we just got back from San Diego Comic-Con. Dude, I mean... That was so awesome. The only downside was that you weren't there for all four days. But I know, I could only come for one day, but we we packed it in one day. I thought we killed... I mean, we keep... I have great luck at Comic-Con. Every year it's yeah. something greater. I either pick up something or meet somebody or whatever. And this year was just incredible. I mean, I, I honestly can't even think of the first thing to tell like let's start with i mean our our friends at famous monsters who we love i know that you guys have listened to their show you listen to our show i know that we've had them on a couple times and they had us host you know take over hosting duties on their show for a month or two if you guys haven't listened to those episodes they were in october there were some real fun episodes check those out we were over at the famous monsters of filmland podcast but this year we were you know talking about meeting up at the con again and they were like hey will you guys host our panel and we lost our shit (laughs) yeah we were like let us think about it for a minute let me change my pants and i'll get back to you yeah (laughs) unbelievable like from day one rumi and i were like we want to host a san diego comic-con panel and and bring the launchpad pod to san diego comic-con and you know we were like that's that's a few years off you know that'll that'll come we'll get there we'll get there and they just like dropped it in our lap and it was like yeah yeah we'll, we'll We'll moderate your panel for you. But because I work in Atlanta and I only get like a couple days off for San Diego Comic-Con because Walking Dead is such a big presence at Comic-Con. I mean, Walking Dead was on the badge, man. Every turnstile that you had to go through was Walking Dead. So they give us the few days off. So I I could only fly out for one day to do Comic-Con. But it was crazy, dude. We're going to do this panel. And it happened to be the same day the panel was happening. So it lucked out. It worked out perfectly. Oh, it was great, and it you know we were very lucky. And next year we're going to try to well we're going to apply. You have the, the essentially there's a process, and it's a big, long, arduous blah 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 process. But you got to like come up with pitches and apply and send them in and blah blah blah. So we're going to try doing that for more panels and different stuff la- uh, ne- for next year. Yeah. But this year, our friends at Famous Monster asked us if they if we would help them with theirs, which was amazing because, you know. Genuinely, we love those guys. We've been fans of yeah. Famous Monsters, the magazine, for a while. Now that we've become, you know, more more friendly with the company, we love the company. We love the people that we work with there. We met a whole bunch of new people there now, and it was yeah. just, it really is like a, it's like a family that company. There's like, you know, a good clump clump of people, and they feel like they know each other. And once me and Aaron started talking with them, they really kind of, I felt like they brought us into the fold, and everything was like, you know, what do you guys think about this? You know, very rarely did they give any notes or feedback or anything about like things we need to change. They were pretty much on board for most of the stuff we wanted to do. If you guys haven't heard about the panel or weren't there, it was talking about pretty much the state of famous monsters and like what they have going on, what they just did, what they've got coming up as far as the magazine. And they also have their own comic book imprint called American Gothic Press. And they do a bunch of comics and not just horror stuff. There's actually, I'm reading one of their books right now that is a kind of like a sci-fi kaiju mech, you know, fighting people in mech suits type of book. I just started it, but I'm already like, all right, I'm on board with this concept. It's a little different than, than, 
you know concepts like that that I've read in the past. Yeah, I'm enjoying the, their comics. I was I was reading Phil Kim's Monster World. That's that's been fun. That's I a fun love read. that I, one. That's I, one of the I ones like we that one a lot. And then what's the other one? Broken Moon. What is that? Hold on, it's right I, here. I haven't read that one yet, but I do have that one. The covers for Broken Moon look incredible. Yeah, I started reading Broken Moon, and it, it's. It's really cool. It's really cool. It's like, what if the Universal Monsters took over the world in a post-apocalyptic world? And it's it's awesome. What a great concept. Uh, Monster World's really cool. That's like a, a noir monster, very Lovecraftian. It's it's super cool. And I got to say, like, if I didn't like something, I just wouldn't mention it. I wouldn't shit all over it on the podcast. Yeah. But, like, if I read a book that I wasn't, like, psyched about, I just wouldn't say anything. But so far, everything I've read from American Gothic, which is Famous Monsters comic book imprint, is really good. Like it's a cute idea, or like a really like oh I didn't think of it through that frame before. And yeah, then it's, it's the, at least the ones I've read thus far have been like executed really well. I really like the art. I just read one called Thin, which had some real. It was a cool concept. Thin was cool. Yeah. Really, it's just you know it wasn't like a it was is a graphic novel, just a one shot type of deal. The art was really cool, and I feel like the art really spoke to the story that was being told. So that's a cool one. You should you guys should check that out. I believe the I believe the writer artist's name was John Clark for that one. The panel went so well, dude. It was packed. I. I was actually not expecting it to be that <laughs> I know. packed. So it was a pretty decent room. It was, what, 20, 26 AB at Comic-Con, yeah. I think, was the room, which was a pretty big room. And How many people would you say? Over 100, right? Oh, it was definitely over 100. I believe it was two or 300. And there was oh really no empty seats. Like, there was probably a handful. Packed. but There are people standing in the back. I was waiting out front. I, I stalked Dave Gibbons to try to get an interview before our panel so Rumi and Cousin Mike were down with the famous monster guys getting stuff ready. So I got to the room before them, was waiting for them, and I watched the line for our panel slowly start to grow. And as I did, it was that moment of like, I love roller coasters, and I'm not afraid of roller coasters. But when you, I, and I always sit in the front, right before you go over that first drop, that first look down the track where you're pretty much looking straight down, you're like, oh shit, this is high. That's what I had looking at this line. I was like, I for at no point did I think about, like, because I, I don't care about talking in front of people. I the more people the better. I yeah. <laughs> truth be told, I kind of like attention. <laughs> but like, I never once thought like, oh, people are gonna watch me say this. I wonder how big the room will be. I wonder how many people there be. I didn't think of that until I'm literally standing five minutes before the panel, watching this line fill up, and I'm like. Fuck, that's a lot of people. And there was less than 100 people in that line. Then we went yeah. inside, and we got up on the on the podium, and we're like, all right, we're starting this panel, all of you people. <laughs> well, and it was crazy because Comic-Con moves so fast, and they literally get everybody out of the room before you, and then they're like, all right, you start in five minutes, and your time starts whether you are talking right. or not. Your time has started, and you have to get it done in this amount of time. Right. So you're like... Oh, shit. So you had to set up the PowerPoint. You had to introduce yourself to the panelists because we hadn't met them before. Had to go in over a, yeah. name uh, In a room that you've never been in before. Right. Yeah, everything. Ridiculous. And then, you know, Famous Monsters had some swag to give away. We had some swag to give away. So, you know, you're, you're trying to coordinate all of that shit at the same time. And, it, and I mean, it went off really well. They laughed at our jokes. They answered our questions. I, I, it went really well. But at, at, at the cool thing was afterwards... Afterwards, people were coming up to us and like, you were some of the better moderators we've seen at Comic-Con this year. Sometimes people can be so boring or you get lost in the question or you don't really know what the point of the question was. And that was really cool to get that kind of feedback that people were into it. That's so awesome. 
Yeah, and you know, it's funny because I'm not in any way comparing us to the other people that we interviewed, but um, if you listen to our show last week when we interviewed Kevin Eastman, we were talking about how cool it was to interview these people who are still passionate and who are still into the same stuff that we're into and, you know, how fun it is to interview them. But now I'm wondering, like, maybe because I always feel like, oh, they don't want to be, you know, like Dave Gibbons doesn't want you to run up to him and start talking to him. But maybe he does because he's passionate about it. Because like you and I were so excited when people came up to talk to us. Some people came up and talked to us as fans of the Launchpad. They know our show. Other people didn't know who we were before the Famous Monsters panel, but are familiar with Comic-Con, are familiar with panels, are familiar with Famous Monsters. And they came up to let us know that they thought we did a great job with that. And all of that was super fucking cool. Like it was really nice so to hear, cool. you know, hear that from people. Well, and we to to that end, I have to give a huge shout out to Brian Ivanhoe because mm-hmm. he came up and said hi to us after the show, and and he talks to us on Facebook. We interact with him, but like that was so cool that he came to the panel and said hi to us afterwards. So big shout out, man! We really appreciate you being a fan and coming up and saying hi to us. That's that's awesome because like that was one of the things that I was like, I I. We don't often go places and tell people where we are. We need to start doing that more, and mm-hmm. we will start doing that more. But this was one of the first times we were ever like, hey, guys, we're going to be at this spot at this time. And they showed up. And yeah, that was, it was awesome. It was pretty cool. It's it's And it's fun. Like, Aaron and I always say that we would do this no matter what, no matter who was or was not listening. But the fact that people are listening is amazing. And, like, yeah. we know that you guys love this stuff, no matter what it is we're talking about, as much as we do. And that's cool, because we're all part of the same club. So... If we're ever somewhere, come up and tell us. Give us a handshake, a high five, say hey. Like that that shit's cool for us and we we love doing that. So it was fun, man. And the the, the panel went great. The panel was it was mainly focused on one book, one comic book that American Gothic slash famous monsters has coming out called Nice. And the mm-hmm. story the quick story behind that is Nice was gonna be a TV show produced by a place called Echo Lake Entertainment, and then they changed it. Instead of doing a TV show, they're gonna do a comic book. So that right. is in the process right now through American Gothic. And it's a pretty cool book. You want to give like a quick like one or two sentence pitch? Yeah, they, they pitched it as like hipster assassins trying to stop a, like a global conspiracy. The art is really cool. The panels are kind of not standard. Like w- one of the coolest panels is it's like the car. They have a bitching car because of course they do. And the headlights from the car are, are beaming out down across the page. And in the headlights, those are kind, that space is kind of used as its own panels. And that's like really interesting it's it's not very standard it's not the type of panel you see usually in a comic book it's just square 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 rectangle but this is like really cool to see a layout like that and I, I that's the sort of thing that drew me to it and and the story sounds cool we got to read some previews of it, it it's a it's a very cool story a lot of lots of gunplay lots of fighting interesting characters it's going to be a neat one fun and i, I like the hipster pitch like turned me off when i read that but then when i read the book I see why it's called that, but uh, that's not how I would sell it. And the global conspiracy thing, we only read the first four scripts. We haven't read issues yet because there are no issues. They're working on the yeah. art right now. Mark Renee is doing the art, and he's responsible for those panel placements that you're talking about. And he did, and he was such a cool fucking guy, too. I got to talk to him. Super cool, There was dude. a dinner for the panelists after, and just bullshitting with him. We have some cool news with him later. We'll tell you guys when we get a little closer to it. But he, he <laughs> he's the man. He's, he, he you know... Aaron and I work in film and it's one thing to to, to read a script and say okay how are we going to put this on the screen but you, you know I never realized like artists read comic book scripts when someone writes a comic book at least conventionally traditionally they write a script similar to a movie script or a film script and you know the artist then writes that and some some writers I think 
specifically say in this panel this happens others just write it like a film script and that's how nice was it was very much like a film script and mark renee the mm-hmm. interior artist got to to pick through and say okay this is how i'm going to present this and he did a great job it's like super super cool it's like two assassins who are very interesting characters and they have an interesting relationship they start doing their assassin thing and then start to see other shit there's a badass female detective who's been through some shit and she is not taking any more shit and she's getting in the mix and kind of kind of where where we stopped reading the scripts where the first scripts that were done it sets it up for a big mystery like okay cool now i have a couple clues and i know what you're trying to figure out but very excited to see where it goes from there i'm just i'm still in like a little bit of an afterglow just thinking about it it's like we we went we tackled this panel we got to preview these these cool books for all these people like 200 people got to meet some fans got a lot of great feedback got to meet some amazing comic creators comic artists and throughout the next couple weeks instead of doing what have you been watchings and and other episodes we're going to be releasing our comic-con content we're going to be releasing our interviews that we got and and let's tease some of those so i mean obviously kevin eastman that one already came out um some of the other ones we got, I mean, you got an awesome interview with the comic book writer Anne Nocenti, and she's probably best known for taking over Daredevil right after Frank Miller left, and she had a really good run with Daredevil, created a lot of Daredevil characters, created a lot of things that make Daredevil who he is today, like like gave him the community law center that is, is in the TV show, like mm-hmm. she really created that sort of street lawyer image and she has a really great perspective on daredevil and and creating characters in general like it's a it's a good interview so we we got that one we got to talk to the sideshow guys that was really cool that was amazing just we hung out in the sideshow booth for probably an hour or two and if you've ever been to comic-con you guys know that sideshow has one of the biggest booths and it's i mean it's just jam-packed with stuff but it's also there's just so much stuff there. We got to talk to my buddy David Igo as well. He works in production of Sideshow stuff. We got to talk to Andy Smith, who does PR there, and they were super cool. Really nice guys. They hooked us up with a great interview, maybe a little extra stuff too. But they were like super, super, I should say pins because that sounds like drugs if I don't, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they hooked us up with some sweet Thanos Infinity Gauntlet pins too. It's cool to talk to these guys who work so hard and so intimately with these properties that we care about, making these these physical, you know, representation statues and action figures and stuff. And it's so cool to hear the process and and to know that like all those things are in good hands because they're in people who who care about them, you know, just as much yeah. as we do. You want to hear a terrible story, Rumi? Yes? Question mark. So when he gave us those Thanos pins, right behind us there was like a little kid. And he was like, do you guys have any more Thanos pins? And they're like, nope, even though they just gave us Thanos pins. And the kids started crying. And there was a little voice in my head that said, give that kid your pin. But then the other voice said, if that kid wasn't crying, you would have given it to him. But that kid started crying. I was like, mm, he's got to learn a lesson. If you were a little bit. <laughs> like, That's- if the kid was. Literally, if the kid had just been like, "Oh man," and really bummed, I would have right. been like, "Hey, kid, here you go." But because he but, was, but because he was cosplaying as a little bitch, yeah, because he, <laughs> because he, because he threw a fit that turned me off to being charitable. Wait, and was that's he so shitty? Was he crying Literally, or was he throwing yeah, a fit? He was being a little brat about it. Yeah, oh, okay. okay. If he was crying. being a brat, then okay. Well, I mean, he was crying, and I like, <laughs> I felt bad. Like that would have made that kid's day, but like. 
I don't. It, I crying for things never worked for me. That usually got me sent home and put in timeout. Maybe got a little swat on the ass. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And I feel bad about it. Like, I still was like, man, I should have made that kid's day. But at the same time, I was like, that kid shouldn't have been crying. If you felt bad, why did you lean over and then put it on your chest in like a big display like you did? You leaned <laughs> over. <laughs> why did I, I do that little dance around him? You were why did I go the whole yeah, time? Mm, look what I got. Thanos look what pin. I got. <laughs> Just dancing around him, like waving his face. You're like, look what I got. Yeah. Nah, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, the handsome man is making me sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of feel like a piece of shit. Sorry, kid. Feel bad. Regret that. But Does, He might be the first listener we ever lose. Right? He's like, wait, that was you guys? Click. <laughs> unsubscribe (laughs) Uh, Mm. sideshow though that was a fun interview that was really really good and then there's a couple other smaller ones that are peppered in there we're going to do different ones Um, actually one why don't we do one right now let's do it I got to interview Dave Dorman Rumi give us a little a little uh, knowledge bomb everyone likes when we say knowledge bomb give us a give us a little knowledge bomb about Dave Dorman dropping the knowledge bomb pew Dave Dorman, he's probably best known as being like the artist for Dark Horse Comics Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like he drew all these covers, man, for like Dark Empire, Crimson Empire. Like if you have a picture of Star Wars in your head that's a really awesome, like super realistic rendition of Luke Skywalker fucking up some Ewoks or something, Dave Dorman probably drew it. Like he, you know, mm-hmm. the Boba Fetts, the Darth Vaders, Han Solo's, like he is probably the artist for Star Wars next to Drew Struzman who did the posters for the original movies Dave Dorman took over when Star Wars wasn't making anything and did all these covers all these comics he's an incredible Star Wars artist but it's not just Star Wars he's done Aliens he's done Batman he's done Predator he's Mm -hmm. done you know every character that you can think of he has done a cover for it or an amazing rendition for it or comic art for it but, I mean, the Star Wars thing was super exciting for me because, I mean, he, the covers for all the novels that I was reading because I was a big dork, um, he did those. <laughs> and that's freaking awesome. Uh, you know, it's cool, though. Uh, part of the, the most fun part of this interview for me, and I, I'm without telling you too much, we'll, we'll jump into it, but if you listen, you can hear that he is a fan. He's a comics fan. He's a Star Wars fan. And you could tell that, it meant as much to him to draw that stuff as it meant for us to watch, to look at it, to read it, to see it, you know? So let's uh, let's hear a little bit from Dave Dorman. All right. We are here at San Diego Comic-Con 2018 Launchpad Podcast. I'm here with none other than superstar Dave Dorman. Dave, how are you today? I'm doing really good. I love being out here at uh, San Diego Comic-Con 28 years in a row. 28 years? I know. That's pretty crazy. Oh, what was it like 28 years ago? It was way smaller than this, and it was all comics all the time. 28 years. 28 years. I still feel like uh, you're in your prime now, but you were in your prime then, too. Well, thank you. You guys listening, you know Dave Dorman's art. He's a huge cover artist back in the day for Dark Horse. He did a ton of Star Wars stuff. He did Aliens. He did Predators. He did, I mean... Everything, right? I mean, what didn't you do? It's probably exactly. quicker to name that, right? What, what, it's easier to list what I didn't do than what I have, yep. The thing that I, I personally remember most about your artwork is the Dark Horse series, the Star Wars series, Dark Empire. Right. You did the covers for those, and I always think of that time 
growing up, there was no new Star Wars stuff being produced. You'd have novels right. and you'd have comic books, and that was pretty much it. That was that was pretty much it for uh, a long while in the uh, very early '80s. Uh, Marvel stopped uh, publishing the Star Wars comics, and then uh, the Star Wars toys uh, stopped being uh, produced. And there was really nothing after Return of the Jedi. You know, there was that really, uh, you know, push uh, for that. And then once it died down, it never really came back. And then in uh, 1989, uh, Dark Horse got the license to do Indiana Jones, uh, which opened the door into Lucasfilm for them to get the license for uh, Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, that, in combination with uh, Timothy Zahn's books, sort of rejuvenated the Star Wars fandom. And uh, we were right, right there at the right time when the uh, people were starving for Star Wars. And uh, sure. you know, we were giving them we were giving, you know, what they wanted. And everybody was very happy. We've kept doing it many, many years after that. And I got to say, you are an amazing artist in terms of I've seen, again, we're talking late 80s, early 90s, artists that tried to draw Mark Hamill or Harrison Ford or Carrie Fisher and got close. Right. But yours are almost photographic in their likenesses for the actors. Right. And, and that certainly was something that Lucasfilm was looking for mm -hmm. in artists at the time. They, um, uh, I, I think Marvel probably took a little bit too many liberties with the likenesses uh, of the actors. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I consider myself to be very lucky to be at the right place at the right time. And one of the things that, that I've worked on, you know, at, at that time, you know, up to uh, my career was was being able to do likeness, being able to do, you know, a photo um, realistic um, um, representation of, of the actors as the characters. Because as a movie fan, too, you know, I want to see those uh, actors recognizable as, as the characters you've seen on the screen. Sure, and I feel like, you know, the, the stuff that you did that was specifically about the original trilogy fit in seamlessly. Then when you do stuff that's like the expanded universe, they call it, with the Dark Empire and even like Crimson Empire and other stuff that you've done, it almost feels like that stuff could have been happening just off frame. It fits in, I mean, right. whether it was a character or wardrobe or costume or like a, even a set piece or certainly the machines and stuff that you drew. And it just... Everything is super, I mean, it, it fit the entire right. world. Um, was that difficult for you to look at, you know, say, you know, like a, an Imperial Walker and come up with something that might also be in that same shot, but we just didn't see it in the movies? It's not really difficult because the film's really set uh, a grand uh, universe to work in. Sure. I think one of the major factors that made uh, what we were doing at Dark Horse um, viable for the um, f fans of Star Wars was that Lucasfilm uh, with us was overseeing uh, what we were doing with the expanded universe plus what Timothy Zahn and, and the subsequent authors were mm. doing so that there was no conflict in stories. If you saw a character in the comic book and then read about that character in one of the novels, there wasn't a conflict of, of you know, where are they? They, they you know, look different or, or sure. they talk differently. Uh, Lucasfilm was very um, uh, adamant, you know, to make sure that there was a continuity going through uh, everything. So if I was to draw something that um, 
uh, I had a question about or if Cam was drawing you know, something, any of the artists, mm -hmm. we would have a good uh, connection with Lucasfilm uh, to be able to get research material, reference material to make sure that um, uh, it, it, it either looked like it was in the movie mm -hmm. or it was an offshoot uh, of what could have been in the sure. movie. And, and I, I think the fans really appreciated that. I mean, I could tell you for sure, at least one of them did. I guarantee you one of them did, but I'm sure the rest of us do. From all your projects, whether it was Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, anything, is there any one character or one title that, like, y y your heart is in it as well? Like, you really love that character, you really love that brand? Uh, well, you know, I, I grew up, I was 17 when I saw Star Wars uh, in opening day in, in the theater. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, through my... Um, uh, time of developing as an artist, Star Wars was always there in the background through Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. And so um, I was always a, a fan of the design work, a, a fan of the films. And so that became sort of a part of what my interest in art developed from. So for me, being involved with Dark Horse at the time that it was all coming about, it was just a really, you know, being at the right place at the right time with the right style and everything, sure. everything fell together. So I feel very lucky uh, in, in that part and in being involved in it. And then here I am, you know, more than 25 years later, still doing Star Wars. It's very exciting. That's great. Do you honestly feel it's still exciting to I do am, it? I am. I, I still, I, I still enjoy every piece. As far as the character goes, uh, you know, I've, I've lived in this world since I was 17. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I don't really have any any particular favorites. Sure. But you know, the fans let me know who their favorites are by either you know having me do a sketch or by a print or just just by talking. Okay. Darth Vader, Darth Maul's pop. Popular, Boba Fett's popular. These bad guys are popular. Sure, right? Because they're the mysterious. And they look so friggin' cool. Yeah. Still, Luke Skywalker, Leia, Han Solo, Chewbacca, those are all uh, right there at the top as well. Mm -hmm. But for me, you know, I just enjoy playing in that uh, universe that George Lucas created. Uh, it's amazing. And from the fans, thank you very much because you've done an incredible, incredible job with, with that stuff. And really, like, I don't want to say you kept the brand alive during that. 10, 20 years where there was just so little new content coming. Well, I, I think you can say that. Okay, you, you kept the brand alive Thank during you. those 10 or 20 years. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, that, but that was part of what we were doing, too. I mean, we all love Star Wars, mm -hmm. but we all wanted to see more Star Wars. Sure. And so that's what we were doing. We were giving, we were, we were giving us what we wanted to see and giving the fans what they wanted to see as well. Sure. And you even did, uh, like, stuff for the video game, like uh, Jedi Knight 2 or uh, right. Dark I've, Forces 2 Jedi yeah, Knight. You I've, did I've art for that as well. I've done some video uh, game material with that. I've done some packaging design. I did some miniature figure designs for Wizards um, of the Coast. Okay. Yeah. They had a tabletop game, and, and uh, back a few years, I did two sets of character uh, designs for little sculpts. Oh, uh, how so fun. that was fun, yeah. Is there any character or, or property that you haven't touched yet that you would love to give a shot? Uh, to be honest with you, I just saw that Titan over in England was going to be doing some Blade Runner uh, oh, related material. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've been a Blade Runner fan since uh, 1980, I think, is when the movie came out. And mm -hmm. then certainly with the sequel that just came out last year. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to approach them to see if I can get involved in uh, doing a little Blade Runner. That's a great visual, especially the first movie, but the second one as well. 
was so visually arresting. Right. Let's stick with the original just for this. What of that would you love to draw? Is it Deckard? Is it the police car? Is it the city? Like, what of that uh, really would lo- you'd love to come out of your you pen? You know, I, I really can't answer that because I don't have a reason to create a piece of art yet. Oh, okay. I mean, I work better when when I have an idea. When I'm working, you know, within a, within a group with art director or, or you know a, a writer mm-hmm. or something that I can bounce some ideas off of and start generating some some ideas. Okay. That's when I work best. If I was given time, I sit down, do some thumbnails, you know, come up with some ideas, and then then I could run with that. You know, but right off the top of my head, I would just love to do, you know, paint Harrison Ford as Deckard and, you know, maybe James Almos as, you oh, know, that would be so uh, good. the other policeman. Doing and, a little and, origami. Yeah. And, you know, there's lots of great visual stuff in that movie, too. So it'd be really fun to play in that world. Guys, keep your eyes open. Let's see some uh, Blade Runner art from Dave Dorman. Dave, thank you very much yeah. for taking the time oh, to talk pleasure. with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a great con. Thanks. That was a great interview, man, and and I love hearing that stuff because I wasn't there for that day. I could only come for one day, but getting to like hear the stuff that you got to talk to people about, it was fun the day we had, but it was so cool that you got so many great interviews. Yeah, if you were with me for Dave Dorman, I may have I may have said something that it was on the tip of my tongue, but I didn't want to say it. He had prints there, and he had a print of Hoth Luke. I think he was on a Tauntaun, but Luke was holding a lightsaber, but he was holding a lightsaber that looked like Obi-Wan Kenobi's. It was not his lightsaber. And I oh, wanted to nerd. talk to him about that, but I was <laughs> actually, to be fair, the nerds next to me were talking about it, and I overheard them, and I was like, damn, you're right. I, I, I may have said that if you were there, but I didn't want to say that. <laughs> uh, excuse me, uh, Mr. Mr. Dorman. Uh, I noticed that this uh, lightsaber was not uh, Rook Skywalker's, or uh, technically, technically Anakin Skywalker's. <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my new nerd voice. I got to remember how to do that. And he just look would look at you with the most level expression and stab you in the eye with a paintbrush. He'd be like, "Dude, that was my fucking job, and I had to finish it like that day." <laughs> yeah, I had like one day to do this, and you're ripping on me <laughs> for lightsaber handle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he'd, he'd be like, uh, have you ever painted a lightsaber that graced the cover of a Dark Horse comic? And I'd say, no. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, no, not even once. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, almost this one time, I almost... And he's like, shut up, dude. Like, shut, uh, shut up. One, one time I went to the Dark Horse booth and couldn't find Kevin Eastman. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> Does that count? Oh, dude, dude, remember when you called Kevin Eastman Kevin Smith? Oh, my God. Why don't you uh, why don't you set that up? Because I'm a little embarrassed still. Well, here it is. I'll just play it real quick. <laughs> Geek Out Moments from Kevin Smith. We Launchpad Podcast at 2018 Comic-Con. Mr. Smith, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Eastman. You called him Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith. Oh. I like Kevin, Kevin Smith too. You said Kevin Smith? Yeah, you Sorry. did. I know who you are. Day drinking. Day you, direct, you directed that Clerks movie, right? Yes. <laughs> I didn't realize you had done it. So I lean over to your ear and I pull back your little headset and I go, You called him Kevin Smith. And you're just like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, super cool. Mr. Eastman, I apologize. I know who you are. <laughs> I was just excited and rambling.
Yeah, it was a brain fart, and 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 they were really cool about it. I don't think I don't think it bothered them, but it was really funny because you're like, wait, what? Wait, what are we doing? I thought we were talking about clerks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, that, that's why I couldn't understand why he had not brought up Jay or Silent Bob once during the entire interview. <laughs> hey, this guy really likes Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I well, and it's funny though because in in all seriousness, we were standing right in an aisle, you know, yeah. on the floor. And a couple people did stop and take pictures and pointed and smiled, but like, not the crowd that I would have thought. And I guess it was because Kevin Smith was not wearing his trademark jersey. He was wearing regular <laughs> clothes, so people just walked right by. <laughs> well, and then the funniest thing is, after that, that snafu, throughout the rest of the con, anytime I saw a Silent Bob cosplayer, I'd be like, hey, look, it's the guy who created the Ninja Turtles. Like, hey, look, it's Kevin Eastman. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of Eastman Smiths back and forth. We were texting each other pictures after Rumi left. Me and Cousin Mike, all week we're doing it. Anytime you saw something Eastman or something Smith, you would say the opposite. And because dad <laughs> jokes, it never got old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's funny. And I mean, I'm, I'm just glad I, ha- I didn't do that. Uh, <laughs> but it can happen to anybody. It's it funny really because can. you were motor mouthing at the beginning. You were like flipping out. You were going so fast at the beginning of that yeah. Eastman interview, and I then go, you I go chilled fast yourself sometimes. out. Yeah. But then, like, then you relaxed, and I think we both did that for the panel too. But like, yeah. then you relaxed, and I was like, oh man, this interview go- this, this interview is going well. And I was like, at least that was a motor mouthing like Rumi was. Thank you, Mister <laughs> Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Eastman was like, at least, uh, he goes, I didn't understand what that other fucking guy was saying. He was talking so fast, but at least he knows my name. (laughs) (laughs) They answered my questions. They knew what it was. (laughs) <laughs> was no it's tough like like when i get amped up and and it, it's it's one of those things you gotta like consciously do it and at the at the panel i i consciously consciously had a moment where i was like you can slow down we have time like you don't have to breeze through these questions because like we were really ahead we were so ahead that we got two rounds of questions into everybody but yeah with the kevin eastman interview that at, at first i was like oh my god i'm so excited Blam! And just like shotgun firing questions at people. And then it's like, you just got to take a breath and just get it out. You know, you got time. But it is. And let me give the launch pad Rocketeers a, uh, a pat on the back here. Like we pre-wrote a bunch of questions and stuff, but in both the panel and stuff like Eastman, we were told we had a certain amount of time. We had a certain amount of questions that we wanted to get through. For the panel, we had a certain amount of questions we had to get through. For the panel, we had freaking eight people that we had to ask questions in 45 minutes. That's a lot. And then when we sat literally sitting down at that podium, a couple new things. Oh, don't say this, but then make sure you say this. And the same thing with Kev, right? And in in the podium, while we were at the at the podium, I realized that they had switched, or I don't know if they switched the order or we didn't notice the order, but they had a PowerPoint that went along with it, and the PowerPoint point switched one of the topic orders that we had planned. So we had to switch switch it, and I didn't have time to tell Matt that I, oh, that I right. had caught that. I, it, so I just I just <laughs> rolled with it. We I have to watch the it. video and see like how how seamless that looks because I think it felt seamless. But like I was about to start something new, and then Rumi like undercut me and started a different topic, and I was like. He's going off script. He's going off script. And you gave me some sort of like eye that I was like, okay, I understand that this is something that well, you know you what you're pointed, doing. You pointed to the script and I just put two fingers out and rotated him and just like sw- <laughs> the, the universal sign for swap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you went, you just nodded and we rolled with it. Cool. It so, like that, that to me is one of the, like the best like Rocketeer Roomy moments that we didn't just stop. The, they're like, what are you fuck are you doing? What are you doing? No, this went here. No, no. I, j- just follow my lead, dude. Follow my, like, I'm glad we didn't just 
dissolve into like fist fighting on the floor at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> Although that would have been a pretty cool panel. Next year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, we went to the famous Monsters panel, and these handsome boys just started wrestling. <laughs> it was awesome. We're going to pitch that. We'll pitch a panel next year for next year that just says, doesn't matter what we're talking about, a fight will break out halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> handsome boys pit fighting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be hysterical. That panel would fill up fast. That'll be in Hall H next year. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Like, oh, like, no, you what know are what they fighting about? It what be... are they fighting about? This guy said that the Warriors sucked and this other guy's defending it. Oh, man. <laughs> That's what I was, I was saying. We could watch Crank. Remember we watched Crank? <laughs> we went to the movie theater. We saw Crank together, me, him, and another chick. And then afterwards, we went back to Creature Effects, the place that I was doing special effects at at the time. I don't know why we were there. But it was like literally like a warehouse with concrete floors and we got into like an argument about something and we were like or what and then boom we were just wrestling on that floor on a concrete and it wasn't floor even like a fight like it was just like it, it just everything would have escalated to to that moment at some point that movie just made us want to fight yeah and it, yeah we it was not malicious like we weren't trying to hurt each other there were no punches it was just wrestling for the sake of wrestling like 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 i don't know two fucking dogs or something yeah, it was ridiculous. I think it was over how you were steering the internet at the moment. I was like, no, no, give me the mouse. And I was like, no, give me the mouse. No, I'll take the mouse from you. Or what? Yeah. <laughs> I think I said, so like, give me the mouse, mouse or else. And you said, or what? <laughs> Yeah, Cross that's line, what it'll be. We'll just we'll just watch we'll just watch Crank, and that's how we'll that's what the you panel tried to be. pull up Safari, and I was like, go to Google Chrome, dude. And you're like, <laughs> or what? <laughs> oh man, the fun thing about cons is everywhere you go, you just run into random ass people, and random ass things happen, and you're just like, look at that guy. What is that guy wearing? Why is that guy wearing more? You know, there's all sorts <laughs> of funny things that you see, and one of the interviews that. You got, I was like, what is this? And you're like, no, dude, it's funny. You got to check it out. And I don't know. Why don't you explain what happened and how we got this interview? You tell them how it happened. So I think it was the day after you left. Me and Cousin Mike are just walking and we're walking. The way Comic-Con, the floor is kind of partitioned into like, not partitioned, but sectioned into like different, I guess, Grids. like ideas. And there's a one, one area that's pretty much like independent comics and it's independent writers, comics. They're hawking their, their books and stuff, but like they're kind of away from other stuff. So we're like walking through there. Me and Mike always try to hit that stuff and see what's up. And uh, as we are walking by, this guy yells. He kind of looks like the small guy with the funny voice from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, who was also in the uh, Pacific Rim. And was Oh, Charlie Day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of looks like him. Didn't sound like him, but looked like him. And he was like, hey, can I give you guys a pitch? And I was like, yeah. And he goes into this fucking rant about... Man versus rocks, like about how terrible rocks are and how rocks are mankind's real enemy. And he's flipping through this graphic novel that he has called Man vs. Rock. And he's doing this pitch and he's got a partner, but the partner's doing a similar pitch to someone else standing next to us. So he's just telling us something about how, you know, the Romans didn't crucify Jesus, it was the rock. And it was like all this other stuff, like rocks, 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 rocks were so bad all the way back to like through caveman times and he's showing us like the art in the book and it's pretty funny and then all the way up to the Trump administration about how like 
mankind's true mortal enemy is the rock, and rocks are dicks. And he's very funny. Like he's pitching it very funny. Yeah. So let let's let's cut to that. I I asked I halfway through I stopped him. I was like, let me. I said, will you be on this show? I got I got to get this pitch. So you'll hear him and his his partner now giving us their pitch for Man vs. Rock. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Launchpad Podcast. We are here at San Diego Comic-Con, and we're walking along, and Cousin Mike and I here, hey, can we pitch you guys? And we said yes. Take it away. All right, so here it is. We're called Man vs. Rock. It's a comic book about this insane geologist named Buck Stone who thinks that rocks are going to fucking kill us all. Why? In a world where humans used and abused rocks from the dawn of humanity, no wonder the rocks want to get their revenge. Did we crucify Jesus? No, we crucified a rock instead. If you rock, rocks are sinners. That rock had lead with me wife is what the crowd was yelling as the rock was crucified. When we landed on Plymouth Rock, did we kiss it tenderly like the history books told us? Hell, Hell no. no. We pissed all over that gringo bastard. And when we were waterboarding people in Gitmo, who was the first in line? The rocks. Now it's only a matter of time, and one honky's got the stones to stop them. Buckstone. But don't worry, ladies, because there is a strong female lead. He'll say ridiculous things to her like, Rocks don't wear bras. And she'll say to him, Well, fuck you, because neither do I. Dick. Oh, snap. <laughs> Burn those bras, girl. That is amazing. Guys, can you tell us your names? Uh, my name is uh, Gore Vidal. And my name is Buckstone. <laughs> Uh, this is hysterical, guys. They're flipping through the books. They're showing us art. We have the presidential, uh, the White House is for sale, right? Yes, for sale. Call Donald. <laughs> and we have soldiers making out saying, are you wearing protection? The other guy's like, hell no. And the other guy's like, good, because condoms are for communists. <laughs> this is incredible, guy guys. drinks his favorite beer, which is known as Buck's Beer and Penis Enlarger. Trust us, it doesn't work. They... <laughs> They have beer koozies around their portal bottles that have that on it. This is incredible, guys. Do you have other books here that you guys have as well? Yeah, we have a book about a little man by the name of Kim Jong-un, who's running for president of the United States of America. It's called Unpresidential, and he's doing his part to make North Korea great again. He has the hat here as a prop. <laughs> We're just big admirers of Mr. Un. Um, and you told me before, but would you say for our audience, where do you get these ideas? Uh, you'd be amazed what great ideas you can come up with when you're on lots of PCP. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. That's the amazing. pleasure is all mine. Man vs. Rock. Check it out. What yeah. you, you guys are at We're H10. H10 on our website, uh, www.whitehouse.gov backslash man vs. rock or other website, man vs. rock.com. That's amazing. Thank you so much, guys. That was really funny, Rumi. <laughs> it was good, and I feel like, I mean, they definitely were no holds barring going on, like on and on about this. Like you know that they they clearly thought about this pitch for this book that they decided to write for some reason. Uh, I give them mad pro like I, I don't know if I would if I was in a comic book shop if I would buy a book that just was about rocks. But if that guy was there pitching it to me, or I knew the enthusiasm that went into it, it's pretty funny. So I'm into it now. <laughs> yeah, if I hadn't dropped 150 bucks on Ninja Turtles stuff already the day before. I probably would have got Man vs. Rock, but I was like, no, I have to be good. I'm on a budget here. <laughs> but I did think about it because it's 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 pretty funny. It was in it like the book looks pretty funny, but I was like, I I love how funny they were, and I love their little spiel. That was that was that was pretty funny. Yeah, I mean that was that was as that, that would have been a, sell, a selling point more than the book itself. 
Well, and and when I'm listening to, because I don't know, I didn't know what was going on, and, and <laughs> I can so only I imagine this, how it sounded to you with no, well, because like I upload all these files talking. to him. Yeah, one guy starts talking, and then when the second guy starts chiming in, I was like, "Ooh, I like this." It was pretty funny, and they like clearly like how you and I, I think, if I started some shit, you don't have to know what I'm doing to jump in and be on board. But if you and I sit down for a second and say, okay, I'm going to say this, you're going to say this, this is what we'll say together. If I say this, back me up. I think that they seem to have that type of rapport with each other about like, like, you know, when they're jumping in and, and under, yeah. underlining each other's points and stuff. It was pretty funny. But overall, I mean, I had a blast of one day. How was the rest of the con for you, man? Was it awesome? It was great. We've teased a couple of the other people that we met. I mean, I'm a huge, you know, I'm a huge Daredevil fan. So to meet Anne Nocenti and talk with her, she was so laid back and chill, too. It just makes it that much cooler. I could have talked to her for four hours just about Daredevil. Is that a picture of you? You gave me a picture of you and her wearing turtle masks. Right? <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, we we did our interview right at the Nickelodeon booth, and they were handing out masks. So right when we started setting up the, a gear... Uh, a Nickelodeon person came over and was like, you guys want masks? And we are like, yeah. So we took them. And then afterwards, she's like, we should get a picture. And I was like, should we put the masks on? She's like, yeah, what do Ninja Turtles do? I was like, I don't know, what the, like karate? So she kind of did karate. And she's like, how do they hold their hands? I was like, well, they have three fingers. So if you look at the pictures, and we'll put these on our social media, we kind of did like three-fingered hands. But like, what a random <laughs> fucking thing for me to have with like a writer. <laughs> You know, and she did. I really like a lot of the stuff that she did. Um, if you guys don't know Anne Nocenti, we'll talk about this a little bit more for her episode. But she she was writing when John Romita Jr. was doing most of the art, if not all yeah. the art. For years, they worked together. And then, uh, yeah, we're going to be releasing that one. We got to talk to the sideshow guys. That was a, a great interview. We'll be releasing uh, a, a pretty decent interview with the sideshow collectible guys that one made me laugh because it descended into talking about sandwiches and food <laughs> it did and also and, and it's like man we're hungry yeah we did that and then i gotta say i interviewed dave gibbons and that was just so freaking cool to That's talk so with him cool, again man. i've interviewed him before he's so cool this time he was so excited and we talked about something that i really care about i don't want to say more than watchmen but something that Dave Gibbons did that I've loved longer than I've loved Watchmen, at least. Well, and not to toot our own horns, but give me a little true. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, I think something that we're really good at is we we listen to these interviews. I mean, we've heard other people interview these people that we've been interviewing we know what they've been asked because we've read it in magazines and we've been to panels where they get asked the same five questions over and over and over again and we really try to get different questions out there and different interview like when we interviewed Carl Gottlieb like we listened to interviews with him to know what people have asked him and we tried to put a little twist on it you know maybe get some of the same information but at the end of the day, we want to stand out. So you got a great interview with Dave Gibbons that is not just your typical, oh, man, you did watch me. Oh, man, that was so cool. Oh, man, Ozzy Mandeus is a bad guy, right? Oh, man, why is Dr. Manhattan not wearing any pants? Like, <laughs> you really got a different interview, and I like that. So well, the tease cool, the hell out of that. It you was guys cool, are gonna you know, it. when I, I, I chased him down, I, he, I, he had a panel. He had a panel literally at the same time as me and Rumi's panel that we were hosting, so I couldn't go to the panel. But I, I poached him before he went in, and I ran up to him as he was walking into his panel, and I like just accosted him. And I was like, listen, I apologize for running up to you like this, but you know, you spoke on our TV show a couple years ago, and I'd love to talk to you again for our podcast. And I said, I'd like to interview, interview you about this topic. And when I said it, he looked up at me, and he goes, 
oh, that'll be different. I don't usually get to talk about that. And I was like, oh, it's something that means a lot to me. I'd love to talk. And it was, when you listen to the interview, you can hear how excited he is. And that was just such a cool moment. Maybe the single most cool moment of Comic-Con this year for me was that. So check that interview. We have that coming up. Um, There's a picture of you standing next to Frank Miller. What's up with that? (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) Frank Miller, like this whole thing, we kept just getting interviews and getting interviews, and I kept thinking like, oh man, should I try Frank Miller? And I was like, yeah, of course I should. He's more difficult to get a hold of than any of these other people that I did. Dave Gibbons I couldn't get a hold of until I poached him. And he was going to be on, so that was, I poached him on Friday. Friday, he told us he could do an interview with us on Sunday. <laughs> Dude, Saturday, Saturday morning, he had a panel with Frank Miller that I was running around trying to get an interview somewhere else. And by the time I was get going to go to that panel, I wanted to attend that panel. But I was like, it's going to be a shit show with Gibbons and Miller both yeah. in the same panel. I was like, that's going to be like standing room only, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I want to get there early to try to poach Frank Miller the way I did Gibbons. But I figured Frank Miller is so much big. Like, he's even bigger than Gibbons. I thought he'd have, like, security detail, you know? And, like, famous, famous, famous people, they come out of these, like, secret side rooms with security around them who usher them to the panels. I imagine that's what Frank Miller would be. So I finished up the other thing that I was doing, sprinted to the the Frank Miller-Gibbons panel just to try to get in, and as I'm walking towards the door, oh, and I'm with Cousin Mike, and if we haven't explained it yet, Cousin Mike is my Comic-Con cousin. He comes with me to almost every Comic-Con except last year. He got hurt. But um, he's just along for the ride, and he's like the coolest fucking right-hand man to have, especially at a Comic-Con. It's like, yeah, you know, you, huge. Like, you know, like you and someone are, are compatible if you travel well. Like, I could yeah. travel with Cousin Mike anywhere. Like, this kid just kills it, and especially at Comic-Con. And he's a nerd. He's uh, he's down, he was he's a cool down dude, for yeah. this stuff, and he's down to do any work. He takes pictures, so all the interviews that we did, he took all the pictures for it and stuff, but he's just so cool, yeah. and he knows this stuff. He knows who Gibbons is. He knows who Eastman is. He knows who Nocenti is, you know? So he goes, I'm going to go get nachos. So he goes and gets nachos. He's gone. And as I round... Classic cousin Mike. (laughs) And I'm like, I'll meet you at the Gibbons-Miller panel. We'll try to get in. If we can't get in, we'll just go back to the floor or whatever. So I walk over to this where this Gibbons-Miller panel is, and Gibbons, Miller, and a bunch of other panelists are just standing outside. And there's two women who are probably one maybe 10 years younger than my mom and one 10 years older than my mom, they're standing right next to Gibbons and Miller who are hugging and talking as I walk over. So I'm like, fuck, do I just run over and interrupt them? And I was like, Gibbons has already said yes, and I would love to mention that in front of Miller. Like, that might be incentive to be like, hey, I'm not just some dildo. You know, Gibbons is going to give me an interview. (laughs) So I'm standing, and I'm like, I also don't want to be rude, and I don't want to make a bad impression, which would mean, like, that this guy is not going to do an interview with me in the future. So I'm, like, kind of standing close by, and I'm like, fuck, if Mike was here, I would literally tell him to go to the other side of these panelists and yell something so that these two older women would look, and I could walk behind them. Because it it was... (laughs) I was, like, ready to do that, and I was like... Hey, Cousin Mike, run a distraction. And then suddenly, like, this fireball just erupts in the far side would. I would have left the distraction open to his interpretation, but he would have done it. And it just would have had to been something to make both those women look in the same direction at the same exact time, even if it was just for a second, because I would have literally leisurely walked right behind them. As it was, I was like, if I blow past them, they might come up and start talking to me and trying to get me back before I say what I need to say to Miller. Yeah. But I also don't want to be 
rude, right? So I'm standing there and I'm waiting and I'm like thinking, weighing my options. And then I hear Frank Miller <laughs> say to Dave Gibbons, so blah, 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 orange hair, blah, 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 blah. So before I even realized it, my feet started moving and I was like, that's my in and that's a sign. So I walk right by these women. I walk right up to Frank Miller and I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry to bother you. Did you just call me? And he goes, no. And he looks real confused. I was like, I, I thought I heard you call me. I thought you, I thought you said orange hair. So he laughs and he slaps me on the shoulder and he goes, oh, no, 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 I was talking about something else. And I was like, listen, I'm very sorry to bother you. I said, uh, Mr. Gibbons, you were, you were gracious enough to give me an interview tomorrow. Mr. Miller, I would love to talk with you. I would love to interview you uh, for the show. He said, and he said, um, oh, but wait, before that, he said, you look like you have some Celtic blood. I said, oh, you don't even know my name. He said, I don't know your name. I said, my name is Matthew James Carrigan. I do have a little bit of Celtic blood in me. So he laughed, and then I, you know, I, I bugged, I asked the thing about the interview, and he said, oh, go check with my, my publicist. She knows my schedule better. So I said, thank you very much. I'm sorry to interrupt. And if you look at those pictures, Dave Gibbons looks a little ticked off, and I was worried. But then he didn't say anything about it the next day. I don't even, I mean, that shit probably happens to them all the time. But, um... So did you go talk to his publicist? So I went and talked to his publicist, and his publicist gave me like the, oh, we're very busy, but why don't you email me? And I emailed him immediately and still haven't heard back. I'm going to try it again this week. But I, the, I, you know what it was? I told Mike I had to try. Like, yeah. if I, the fact that I saw him, if I didn't say anything, I would have been to this moment been like, what would have happened if I walked up to him? And at the very least, like, I made him laugh, and he punched me in the shoulder, and, you know, the orange hair joke and shit like that. But the best part of it for me was... When I turned around from all that, Mike was standing there. And Mike was like, dude, I finished. Because Mike was with me all weekend. So he just went from like one fucking huge interview to the next, right? And, you know, the famous monsters, we're in the VIP party afterwards and everything. He says, I finished my nachos and I'm walking around the corner. And as I walk down the, you know, the hallway, I see you talking to Dave Gibbons and Frank Miller. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? He got the picture too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He pulled out his phone and he got a picture. Uh, it's 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 of the two guys, you know, the two fucking legends and me in my backpack. Amanda's like, you look like you're on your way to school. That was my wife. <laughs> <laughs> that was my wife. Dork. She wasn't like you're standing between Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen or anything like that. She's like, you look like you're going to school. <laughs> but yeah, fucking Mike, Mike on the spot to get that picture, like a really a once in a lifetime probably picture, and. You know, his his first thought was like, are you really fucking running up and talking to Frank Miller like you actually did it? <laughs> so yeah. yeah, dude, he called me. He said orange hair. He said orange hair. I thought you were talking about me. <laughs> so, Bro, are you talking shit? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. Um, hope, <laughs> hopefully that turns into an interview because I, mean, I, I feel so like too. he's one of the last huge ones that we haven't gotten yet, you know? Well, if he's not listening, I know his publicist is, so hey, hook that up. Yeah. You know who you are, Jason. Make sure you make sure you hook this up. But yeah, Mr. Miller, also please. I want. I don't want to talk to you about. Dark, I mean, I want to talk to you about everything. But I have some good topics I want to talk to you about. That's probably not what you usually hear. Yeah. So yeah, that so was our, and, and that was oh that was a really fun part of of Comic Con for me. We were so busy with these bigger interviews, we didn't get a chance to do our man on the street and our silly like you know the, yeah, the funny bummed ones. About that, I, 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 I thought you and I would have more time on Friday, but it was just so goddamn busy. Um, it was crazy. 
But we did. We saw a lot of friends. I got. Uh, I got to give shout out to Barry, Lauren, Nick, Map, Steve, Ryland. All those people came to our panel, and I kept bumping yeah. into them. I saw a bunch of people. It was. And I'm sorry if I'm forgetting any other specific friends that I ran into. But I bumped into a lot of friends. Had friends come, chill out with us, walk around. It was just a real fun con. Yeah. I mean, and and next year, hopefully, I get to go for more days. I got to give a big shout out to the the Walking Dead crew, all the people that I work with out there. A lot of them came out to San Diego to premiere the the season nine trailer. That was a fun drop. Which also amazing. That panel was at the same exact time as ours too, right? I know. Well, it was at the same time as our interview with Kevin Eastman. Oh, that's right. And it was in Hall H, so it was like real hard. Yeah, it was to, in Hall H, so it was like mm, it's, it's hard to get in. And, and just got a big, big props to the cast and crew for putting together the the season nine trailer. It, it dropped. It, it got a great response. I mean, the whole hall was. I, I hear. I didn't get to go, but I hear they were they were pretty blown away by it. So I'm really proud of the work that we put into it. And uh, if you guys haven't checked it out, yeah, um, the new season has a lot of cool stuff happening. So get excited. Watch yeah, it was, that trailer. I heard you could see some of these panels like illegally, you know, videoed and stuff. You can find them on YouTube. There was one of the. The Walking Dead drop, and there's an awkward silence where they're like, yeah, we'd like to bring up our visual effects supervisor, uh, Aaron McLean. And then, like, <laughs> there's just these crickets chirping and shit. And it's, you know, it, it's in Hall H. And um, there's crickets chirping, chirping, and someone's like, oh, no, no, I think he's interviewing Kevin Smith. And Kevin Smith was in Hall H. He's like, no, no, I'm here. I don't know where they are. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, funny. I got to say, when Rumi and I did get to do some fucking around on Friday together. We were walking around, and he almost bought this Daryl action figure from The Walking oh. Dead. And we're, like, looking at it, and he's like, let me look up the prices online. And he was looking up the prices, and he's like, do you think I should get it? And as he says that, the shop owner pulls it down and sells it to some other dildo. And, dude, I looked specifically looked for that figure at other places and couldn't find it. But I did keep an eye out for it. That's too funny. Yeah, uh, just goes to show if you're if your nerd urge to buy something, do it immediately. Yeah, Don't even yeah. think twice about it. It's true. Don't even like check your bank account. Just buy it immediately if your heart says you should have it. That's true. <laughs> and it wasn't even like ridiculously priced. If it was ridiculously priced, then you're like, okay, well, I didn't need to pull the trigger that fast. But it was, it was pretty reasonable. We'll f- yeah, we'll find you it. one, Rumi. We'll find you one. Um, <laughs> actually, we were swinging by to say goodbye to our buddies at Famous Monsters, cousin Mike and I, on the last day, Sunday, and they're having this giant Thanos raffle or a Thanos Infinity Gauntlet raffle with our buddy Walt, who does uh, Face Off, and um, we because it was so crazy at the booth, we stepped back for a couple minutes till the, the the raffle died down. We went to a comic book booth next to them that was selling comic books, and they had a couple art portfolios. So I was like, oh, can I look through those? So we're like flipping through, and they had some cool stuff, but nothing like crazy. Then they had this like real bitchin' um, Dark Knight Returns sketch, and it had a price tag of $5 on it. And I was like, is this actual $5? I said, is this an original art? And it's not a Frank Miller by any means, but it's clearly supposed to be his, you know, his Dark Knight. So I say, you know, is this actually $5? The guy's like, yeah, you know, we bought a bunch of art for some guy, and he doesn't know where any of it's from. It's just different sketches. So there was the Dark Knight. There was a Captain America by the same artist. There was a bitchin' Rorschach pencil. And then there was oh. this really weird um, uh, Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox. Babe has on a brassiere. And then the, on the, that's a panel on like a seven. Uh, I was a little smaller than a 17 by 11. And on the top, there was this giant fist punching this other guy's teeth out on the same panel at, or the same page as the babe. 
And all of those pieces, every one of them was $5 each. And I, Cap, uh, uh, Captain America is Mike's favorite. Mike's a big Cap guy. So I looked at the yeah. guy. I was like, listen, would you give me these four pieces for 15 bucks?" He was like, sure. So I got like all those pieces for like 350 or something each. I don't know if that math checks out. It's tired. But you just but, don't know if they're real or what. Well, I mean, they're real, but they're not from anybody famous. You know, there's, there's a very small chance that they're worth any sort of money. But the they're Dark still Knight... still cool, ret- though. I mean... For those of you who don't know, I just recently got a smartphone like last week and I just put Yeah, welcome re- to the future, Grandpa. <laughs> we call it the present now. I put the the Dark Knight Returns on my what do you call it? Like background? Is that what you people call it? Home screen. Home screen, yeah, sorry. I'm I'm homeschooled essentially, so I, I'm just figuring I put it on my desktop. I'm just <laughs> Yeah, my phone desktop. It's called a, a thigh top because I keep it in my pocket. But yeah, no, we got those couple little pieces. <laughs> that was a lot of laughing for something I thought was a throwaway joke. Thanks, Rooms. Do you think we hang out with each other and talk to each other just because we laugh at each other's jokes? Well, yeah, because nobody else does, so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's like, I, actually, I was not trying to get any original art this year. All the pieces that I was that would have been interested in were way too expensive, and I don't need them. I already have, like either representations of that character or the book or the artist so I was like yeah. I don't need those this year but these pieces were like three little quick little thing or I got one from Mike I got the cap as a thank you for cousin Mike for killing it this whole fucking time but um, those are my little purchases did you get anything aside from the um, the body count book nope that's all you well that's pretty cool though that's all I needed um, and I got a bunch of cool swag from uh, Famous Monsters those guys hooked it up I got a bunch of comic books from American Gothic Press and I've been really enjoying them yeah, I agree. I've already I got a couple from them too, and I've already read through a couple. You got a cool T-shirt from them for the po- uh, for the panel mm, too, right? For the panel, I got that famous Monsters of Filmland uh, uh, creature from the Black Lagoon swimming. Because there's the cool. The, the, I really like the Basil Gogos cover, and I thought about getting that one. But there's this bitch in one of creature underwater swimming, and it looks badass. So, and I, I wanted to one. tell you the next day when we went back to that booth on Saturday, that was not up anymore. So I think they sold out of that one. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, got you it. got in there. You got in there. When the get was freaking, good. Freaking sweet. Well, hope you guys enjoyed those interviews. Keep an eye out because for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be dropping interviews with Ann Nocenti, Dave Gibbons, the Sideshow guys. I mean, it's, it's going to be great. So keep an eye out for all that Comic-Con content coming to you soon. You can keep up with us on our website, launchpadpod.com. Keep an eye on that website because we're going to be dropping Destroyer soon. Our buddy Steve Prince oh, yeah. is writing and drawing these bitching post-apocalyptic Adventures of Matt Corrigan and yours truly. We'll have some really cool stuff going on in there, so keep an eye out for that. We'll uh, be releasing our episodes on there, some fun reviews, some fun interviews, and putting up a lot of pictures on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Follow us there, at LaunchpadPod. Until next time, we're the Rocketeers, and we're out. Ignition sequence start. Six, five...